Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Treks, Prince in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trekspritzplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek. Um, Shatner is a guest star in one of the episodes. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the villains, right? Uh, yes. And Roy freaked out because he didn't want to the association between Sequest and Star Trek. Oh, oh man. man. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, for me, Shatner's one of the great ham actors of all time. Of course. You know, he's just spectacular to watch. And you should be pleased he's here. He's not playing Captain Kirk. You know, but uh, it was, you know, you had to placate that. And then the earthquake, uh, that big uh, Northridge earthquake. Yeah. You know, it shut us down for a couple of days. We came back and we're shooting, uh, we're setting up to shoot on, on stage and somebody hits the lights for the production, and there's stuff floating in the air. You know, the big particles of whatever. I don't know what it is. And then the, the door, stage door opens, and guys in hazmat suits come in. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, I, and I, they won't tell me what they're looking for. Oh, everything's yeah. fine. Uh-huh. Why are you in that suit? Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I call Tom Thayer, and they won't put me through to him. So... I shut down the show for the day. I said, we're done. We're going to stop for the day because I'm not going to be a part of poisoning everybody here. Mm-hmm. And I got called on the carpet for that. God, you guys should be giving me an award for this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's going to get cancer. I cleared the place. But it um, it was an interesting experience. It's, I remember being on the junket for it. And uh, they made a big deal out of, this isn't science fiction. This is science fact. And you know, basically, and and, uh, and uh, Roy is um, he's like Jack Cousteau. <laughs> it's like what? Well, that's who Roy wanted to be. And we, you know, I we try to you know sort of feather that at the end of the show with uh, Bob Ballard saying, you know, yeah, thirty seconds on something that's actually means something, <laughs> right, right, right. And you know, uh, there were people on the show who couldn't stand having him there. We're not. We're not doing public television. This is an education. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know the battles. Yeah. It's a. It's a sad thing that uh, that Scheider was uh, was uh, leery of uh, being on TV because that now that stigma doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But, you no, know, it, it, it was huge. Back then. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know it was. But uh, you know, huge actors are doing TV now. Yeah, De Niro it's, just it's not uh, announced thing, yeah. as, uh, was announced as a lead in a Netflix series. Yeah, did, but that's Schwarzenegger's new show's debuting. Yeah. Fubar. Did, did you oh deal God. with um, Spielberg at all? Did he know he had this TV show on the air? Like, was he uh, ever involved? Yeah, I, I, I didn't deal with him much. He was in Poland. He came back. He was. Uh, he devoted some time to us a little bit, but not mm. to the degree you you, you would like. Um, right. I remember the first time he came into the writer's room and we're talking, and he's staring at Bob Ingalls. <laughs> he, he said, you were in the show last night. So he was watching it. That's good. So it wasn't commensurate with what he was getting paid. No, but you know what? <laughs> he... he He's a guy. You, it's it's hard to argue with him because he know, he literally knows everything about. Yeah. Him. yeah, he just does. I mean, it's a compendium of, of knowledge that maybe Scorsese knows more. I don't know, but were there he, were there ever any edicts to shoot on location in the dive restaurant in Century City? 
Spielberg and Casa Bray's restaurant. That didn't happen. That's really funny. I good fries. Um, did we? And then, and then Roy had had enough, and and Michael Ironside comes in for the last season. Were you? Had you had there. enough? You were I, gone I, by then. I was just there for the first. I I was there for the first season. I moved it to Florida, and the second right. season, then I, I went off to do other things. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it. I felt like the people at uh, I'm I'm guessing Amblin, uh, the executives, insisted on doing the show. So they could walk to the set from uh, the Amblin offices. Sure. It should. They had a great facility in Florida that wasn't being used. It had all the things you want in a show about being underwater that you could access within 10 minutes of where you are, right. certainly within the zone, and shoot underwater. There's a place called Wiki Washi. I don't know if you guys know that, but there's a mermaid show there. It's crystal clear spring waters, and they have a theater underwater with, you know, glass that must span 30, 40 feet and wow. 12 feet high looking out onto the water. You, it, you could have done so much there, but they didn't want to do that. You know, it was... Uh, it's a lot of hubris on the part of a lot of people who wear suits and ties. Yeah, that happens. That's for sure. So subscribe today at TrexpressPlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the rockets. Mark A. Altman. Darren Docterman. Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, one of the co-hosts of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission, the complete uncensored oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital or audio. And speaking of books, check out my new book about the making of John Wick. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well, what are you waiting for? Get on it. They're here. Yes, indeed. Your favorite 430 movie hosts are all back with an all new season of curating fantasy theme weeks on the 430 movie podcast. Join Darren Doctorman, Ashley Edward Miller. Stephen Melching, and myself, Mark A. Altman, as we bring you the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movie curation. It's the 430 movie. It's fun. It's informative. It's awesome. And until then, Eyewitness News starts now. Humble Quark at your service. Behold, Star Trek Deep Space Nine action figures. Commander Benjamin Sisko, he helps me run the station. And Security Chief Odo, very strict and sneaky for someone so honest. Here's Lieutenant Dax, Chief O'Brien, and Major Kira Nerys. I happen to know she's crazy about me. Wonderful, aren't they? Especially this one. So handsome. Pains me to part with it, but if you pay me now, ah, security, what a pleasant surprise. 
Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today it's tea for two. No, I don't like that. I'm trying not to. Title. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's Deep Space Fine. No. No. <laughs> no, definitely. It's uh it's it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's two girls, one podcast. No, no, <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It's Come on. Bad. Someone help me here. We need a title for this episode. I, I, I didn't come prepared today. You did not. I know. Not. How about we can call it Karak Lore? That's not <laughs> Wow. We're all striking out. What? I actually like that one. Yeah, but Ashley's not right. Of. That's not good. Um, all right. Well. Name it what uh, you want. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the visitors are here. Um, let's see. I oh man, why don't we why don't we call it the non-Terry or Terry Nana or uh, uh, Deep Thoughts with Nana and Terry? Yeah, there we go. That's not bad. That's it. That's our That's title. Not terrible. It's it's you know what not terrible at this rate is good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh this is um the QA that took place at GalaxyCon uh last month in Richmond, Virginia. It's a wonderful it's, it's, it's more than a QA, really. It's a, it's an interview and a QA. It's a freewheeling yeah. conversation. How about and that? A dessert <laughs> popping and a floor wax. That's yes. right. It's 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 it, many such journeys are possible. Um <laughs> It's uh, it, it it was a discussion. Look, it was a great time. I don't know what was going on there with that, Darren and them, but I was doing a Q and A. You were doing something else entirely. I was trying to make things fun and entertaining. They were. Oh, yeah. You were fun and entertaining. You believe me? I mean, you were wonderful. You were terrific. <laughs> I don't know if it was a Q and A, but it was it was great. Look, I was trying to put on my full flirt because I'm the only Trek expert that can do that with uh, impunity. Well, that that is true. That is, <laughs> that is that is absolutely true. Yeah, no, and uh, and uh, and it was it was lovely because look, all kidding aside, what an interesting conversation we had. How wonderful! Um, uh, but you know, we've interviewed Terry before. We interviewed Terry in Ohio. Clearly, I've interviewed her many times back in the day when I used <laughs> to write for Cine Fantastique, um, and, and Nana as well. But uh, this was this was this was great. This was a really really interesting, and I thought the audience asked interesting questions for the most part, mm -hmm. and um, it was uh, and and really unexpected. And I think you know part of the thing that we try to do with our panels is ask questions that maybe they haven't been asked a million times. Yeah, yeah um, to give them a different experience than the normal rote repeating of stories. Oh, was it like to play the second in command on Deep Space Nine? Huh? And I think the biggest compliment we got, both from them and from other people, was, can you do all our panels from now on? <laughs> you know, I mean, we, I mean because obviously uh, Jonathan said the same thing. And it was like, it's very flattering that people enjoy, uh, uh, you know, conversation, because I think that we try and bring something out that, uh, and, and also our experience in the industry, uh, it, there's a different level of conversation than you know, uh, you you encounter in the usual Q and A. I think. Well, well, that's the that's the most important word, conversation, right? We, what I most appreciated about that 
experience with them on stage was that it didn't feel like we were peppering them with questions or trying to Mm -hmm. like, you know, tee up the ball so that they could hit it. Um, It felt like we were in conversation with them. That if the audience weren't there, it would go exactly the same way. And guess what? Dinner kind of proved us right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Well, it's because we, we like to actually listen to what the answers are rather than just cue up the next question. Yeah, which is interesting because, you know, it's funny. Uh, for this convention, I almost put together a bunch of index cards with questions, which I never mm-hmm. do. And, um, but really, all, at least from my perspective, people ask me about my interviewing style, but I, I generally, as long as I know what the first question is going to be, I don't need any more questions right. because I just listen to what they say and then use that as a jumping off point to ask other questions. You know, yeah. I think. It, it's about being a good listener, which is strange for and, me to say, but it's true. That's right. No, and it's and it's important to make the uh, the subjects um, comfortable and want to tell things because that's the that's the key. Because the more comfortable they are, the more they want to tell about stuff, and it's fun that way. Yeah, and well, they certainly I, seem to be having fun for sure. I got that a lot with the books too, where people would would do an interview, and say, "Man, I really didn't mean to. I was I didn't really plan on saying all that, you know?" Where right, and, and I'm like, I always, I know I, that was a good interview when people say that, like, "Oh, you know, I said a lot more than I was planning on," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, Ed Gross is really good at that too. I mean, yeah. I actually think one of the great interviews he ever did was with um, uh, Kate Mulker, where she you know, speaks at length about her rivalry with Jerry Ryan. And this is the first time that she really talked about it and apologized for the way she treated treated Jerry. And I thought, I remember when Ed called me after he interviewed her, um, and it was one of the few interviews he ever did in person because he usually does it by phone and now by Zoom. Mm -hmm. But uh, whereas I usually do interviews in person. And um, I was so impressed with that and and with him. And obviously it's a great part of the second 50-year mission book. but and, and now both of them have talked about it a lot more freely. But at the time, it was, uh, I thought, really, really remarkable. Um, it was a revelation. And, well, it was, and it made me a lot more sympathetic to Kate. Uh, uh, not not as opposed to Jerry, but uh, the fact that she accepted culpability, you know, right. um, uh, because, you know, it was very clear that she was in the wrong and not Jerry Ryan, who had really been uh, treated very shabbily. Uh, on on that show, and uh, I, I got a lot more respect for Kate after you know um, that whole interview. But uh, this is great because you know par- par- partially the thing about Terry uh, and the knob, but um, you know you know Terry went on to do a comedy after Deep Space Nine. She did Becker mm-hmm. for pa- pa- uh, Paramount with, it. and she has the comedy rhythm. You know, she's very funny and she's very quick on her feet. You know, Nana has also, you know, having done Working Girl and comedy, she's also very quick and very funny and a very strong personality, which makes for great interviews because they're kind of fearless and they're willing to say anything and they're willing to be funny, but also vulnerable, which, you know, makes the reason these interviews are so great, not because we're so great and we are, but we're not, but it's not because we're so, you are great. I'm great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, five units. The, the boy genius. Um, but no, the, the reason these interviews are so great is because they are great. They are great yeah. interviewers because not everyone is. <laughs> We've been very lucky on this show. We only had one show that was a total dud. And I'm not going to say who that was, uh, but I think you know. 
but uh, for but for the you know we're very lucky to yeah. get people who and they are just terrific you know yeah um, Terry well, and their, their styles contrast so mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and just such a lovely way it's 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 complimentary you know it's Nana is just very she's just very biting and she's very direct and mm-hmm. she just it snaps 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 and she's awesome and Terry is just seems like the nicest person that you would ever want to meet so self-effacing right um and you know and funny and, and, and bubbly and goofy exactly mm-hmm. and it, they yeah. just they're a they're a perfect combo yeah you know and it's interesting because a lot of people what they show on stage is very different than the person they are off stage but mm-hmm. you know i think we mentioned that we then you know we had dinner with them on saturday and, and on sunday and they are exactly the same in private as yep. they are in public they're funny and body and interesting and or, or um, maybe it's all in it. Cerebral and 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 I think one of the reasons that um Nana was so good as Kira was because she is Kira in a way. Yes. You know, she's not as she's not angry the way Kira is, but she's right. strong, she's powerful, she's smart, um, uh, you know, just very um, you know, very well read, uh, uh very capable. I mean, just just terrific. And um and obviously Terry is you know, funny and just goofy, like you said. And they're both that way in, in real life. They didn't just play that character on TV. And we talk about that a little in the interview, the fact that it took the writers a little to realize that she wasn't Spock and a lot right. lo- lock on to that goofy, fun, you know, thoughtful side of Terry that they weren't writing for initially. Right. I mean, it's funny because I on a show... Uh, that I'm going to be doing. Um, I had a character, you know, conversation about like the characters, and I said the one thing you have to keep in mind is the characters are only on the page. It's when the um, it's 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 when you cast them that bring, so the much of, brings their reality to uh, it. Uh, yeah, yep. so much of the the character comes out of the casting. So I mean, how you 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 look at a lot of the characters, and we we did this when we did our Bible study. When we when we talked about the way the characters were written in the Bible and ultimately how they would evolve into something almost completely different after uh, the, the after the actors were, were filmed, you know, in these early episodes and how much they changed and they evolved. I mean, certainly the William Riker of the Bible is is completely different from the Riker that Craig's epitomized or the Benjamin Sisko. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How he eventually was allowed to be the person that he is and be the performer that he is and, and how that really changed the changed the show. Yeah, very much so, very much so. But uh, I think that this is a this is a great episode. I'm so glad that we're able to share it to you. We're so grateful to our friends at uh, GalaxyCon for uh, recording uh, uh, recording it and making it available to us to share with you. And uh, we'll see you after we uh, jump back in time to our conversation with the Nav Visitor and Terry Farrell. And we are so excited to be here today because we have two of our absolutely favorite people. Us. No. Oh, no. Darren, come on. That's no, not, not true. at all. Look at the crowd. It's great. Yeah. They're and, obviously here for us. And we are we're so excited. This is going to be a great, uh, a great panel with some great people and great stories. And we're also going to be giving out these wonderful Deep Space Nine soundtracks from La La Land. So uh, hopefully uh, you got your Deep Space Nine knowledge ready and waiting. But without any further ado, 
we want to bring out the great Terry Farrell and then our visitor. Well, this is quite a crowd. I didn't know Hellraiser 3 had this kind of following, Terry. Other than shocking, me. Shocking, truly shocking. Yeah, but that's not what they want to hear about. No, they want to hear something about... I think he never got any respect, but you, you have nothing but respect for him. We discovered you in Back to School with the great Rodney Dangerfield. Thank you. And the late Sam Kinison. Yes. And the wonderful Terry Farrell. Thank you. What was Rodney really like? <laughs> I actually want to know. You do? Yeah. We all want to know. I'll tell you later. All right. <laughs> he was great. He was very nice, actually. He came to my trailer every day and would tell me a joke. Did. And what? I bet he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're really bad. No, it was really great because I, and this sounds terrible, but he got gout. And so they had to put the show on pause, but then they had to pay us. Nice. Right? And it was scale plus 10. That's which, the gout fee, right? That's, There's a yeah, gout Yeah, the gout fee. And then when we came back, oh, then when we came back, he would, we would shoot in the morning. Then at lunchtime, he would start doing rewrites with Harold Ramis, which actually worked out because we ended up being the top grossing film of 1985 in the summer. So it worked, but it, it did. then we get sent home. So it took a really long time to shoot that movie. It was good for me. <laughs> the, great, the great Harold Ramis. The great Harold Ramis. And would you have thought that um, Keith Gordon, who played your nebbishy boyfriend in that, um, would become such a successful director? Isn't that amazing? Did you see his name like on Dexter? I saw his name on Dexter. I was like, What? <laughs> She held on to his number. I, no, no. I think I already caused enough problems with the woman who I think he ended up marrying. It's, it's too bad the other guy who was the roommate didn't really amount to anything. I oh. know, right? What was his, what name? Was his name? Junior something? Um, yeah. Dexter? Oh, uh, no. Uh, no. Oh, I just Ro said Dexter. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, it's a shame. Fell yeah. off the map. <laughs> this has nothing to do with this panel, but why is Robert Downey Jr. starring in a remake of Vertigo? Did you see that on Friday? He's dizzy a lot. <laughs> that's all I can guess. Odd. That's actually very odd. It's really yeah. odd. Yeah. Who's going to play Kim Novak? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh. <laughs> right, because men don't get enough parts, especially white guys, so he right. needs to do a remake of a... Yeah. Well, not you, you start in a, a, a show that everyone here I know... Loves. Oh, yes. And, of course, we're talking about Working Girl. Working Girl, yeah. yeah. I know you all saw it, right? In the, now, yeah. now, here's the thing. The Sigourney Weaver role. I mean, you were... Yeah. How do you approach something like that? Because you're such a nice person, but you're playing not the nicest person. I mean, you, you played a lot, of, a lot of your early roles. You were kind of nasty. She was wound tight. But the funniest part of that show was our big problem was the leading lady. She just, it was like, oh God, she's so quiet. She's so intense. Does she know it's a sitcom? This isn't working. <laughs> she went on to have a great career, Sandra Bullock. And it was oh, like, right. 
No wonder she wasn't making it in a sitcom. She was made for films, and she, she, she did in films what she was doing on the sitcom, and it was like, oh, no, this is the wrong tone. Did you mean to call it, this isn't working, girl? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rehearse any of this. Okay, that's really funny. <laughs> you still got it, Darren. <laughs> it, it's it's got to be... You know, here you go to all these auditions, you get all these callbacks, you get cast. Everybody say, oh, this show's going to go six, seven years, and, you know, you're going to buy the house, and you're going to have all this stuff, and, you know, you're going to be able to pick apart. And, and then, what was it, 13 and, 13 and out? Yeah, I don't even know if we finished the season, actually. Um, but, he, no, I never thought that. I didn't think that on Deep Space Nine. I was always ready to get fired. I was always ready to, this is it. I started on Broadway where you get a two-week notice. You're signing in every night at half hour, and suddenly the notice goes up, and you've got two weeks' work, and that's it, no matter how much work you put into the show. So that was just always in my head. It was like, yep. Ten episodes and out? Yep, that's right. Okay, moving on. Some context for you out in the audience uh, who were born after 1999. Um, it used to be that 10 or 13 episodes was not a lot of episodes. Now it's the longest-running show on Netflix. <laughs> that's right. It's true. Actually, you'd get the pilot, and then you'd find out if you were picked up for the first seven and then it was 13, and then it was the rest of the season, and then every year they could let you go without them paying a penalty. And uh, actually, I had the experience of feeling, because my agent said, they're going to fire you on Deep Space, and... That's encouraging. encouraging. I like it. Isn't it? It's, it was so uh, Terry, you're so going to fail, and inspiring. I need you to prepare yeah, for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we hired you. But but here's the thing. I felt like, well, the show's going to go on. I'm just not going to be the science officer any longer. <laughs> I want to ask you about that because, you know. It's only funny because obviously that didn't work out that way. <laughs> no. You know, Nana, you talked about, you know, you, you have, on Broadway, uh, you do the show two weeks. and Now, when you auditioned for... Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, you know, everyone's saying, well, Next Generation's going seven years, this thing, you're not shooting a pilot, you're shooting a premiere, you know, it's already gotten a commitment to one year, and how much stress is that, and when you walked in there, how much did you even know about this phenomena that was, was it just another audition? You, you have to put it into the context of the 90s, when sci-fi was like where actors went to die, uh, you know, it wasn't revered. It wasn't thought of as like, oh, okay. You know, and I, I was turning 35 and my agents were like, well, it's sci-fi, maybe. It could be. Um, and I really didn't understand the, the phenomenon. I didn't get it. But what I got was what I read on the paper. And that was my role. And I was like, I, I, I don't even, I, I don't care about anything else, I want to do this role. And can I add, and I know this, but didn't you tell, you've told more than one person that when you read it, you thought the part was for a man? Absolutely, I did. Because I called my managers and I said, well, this, I mean, this character is standing up to the, uh, to the, 
star of the show and, and there's a back and forth. This, I think you made a mistake. This must be a man's role. And he said, no. And I was like, oh, my God, I want this so badly. <laughs> I want to do this so badly. And uh, my manager at the time actually said, I, when I got it, said, it'll end your career. So let's rethink this. And, you know, back in the day, well, you know what? Back in the day, it was true. You do. It it was, it really was. Now, they're all the big blockbuster movies. It's completely flipped around. All the cool kids are watching. All the cool kids. All the steam (laughs) kids. All of you. That's right. It's amazing when you think about how different things are now. Certainly, it was like that for female roles. I mean, if you look at the roles in Next Generation, which as much as people may love the actresses and the roles, they're not a lot of really powerful... And you walk into Deep Space Nine and immediately, you know, you're going toe-to-toe with Avery Brooks, who's no shrinking violet himself, uh, a man called Hawk, for those of you who are 80 in the room who may remember. Um, (laughs) Me, I remember Hawk. I remember Hawk. Oh, my God. A bald guy with a goatee and he kicked ass and took names. So it was kind of like Deep Space Nine, except it was set in D.C. With with two guns in his hands. I remember yeah. that a lot. Is that the spinoff from Spencer yeah. for Hire? Yeah, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. I wonder now, looking at it, because you're writing a book about uh, women in Star Trek, and when you go back and look at the work you were doing and, and some of the other maybe Star Treks that you weren't as familiar with, that juxtaposition probably becomes very, very clear. It's really interesting, and you can I can see the connection between what was culturally happening in that decade and what was being written on that Star Trek show. There's no doubt that the women of Next Gen stood on Nichelle's and, and those women's shoulders, and we stood on Next Gen's shoulders, and it's gone on and on and on like that. But there is was, at the time, a specific advantage to being alien, to being a woman and being alien, because now no holds barred. It's, it's, you, you could have the full spectrum of the weirdly human experience where the decade was really kind of narrowing uh, what an acceptable woman was and what defined that. And we got to draw outside of those lines and not stay in our lane. And there was huge freedom and joy in that. Well, that's totally the trick that Roddenberry used on the original show to tell stories that wouldn't be accepted by the censors or, uh, you know, the network to tell it about alien people. It's not, it's not human. It doesn't apply to us. But you're telling the same story, so it works. Right. Yeah. She can be smart and powerful and sexy because she's an alien. Right. You know, so it's okay. <laughs> Spe- right. Speaking of aliens, you had a very different experience with getting the show when you auditioned because, of course, they had been seeing everyone in Hollywood for this role and couldn't find anyone. And then. And there I was. And there you were. <laughs> I was the needle in the haystack. Yes. And that was that was tough for you at first, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, I think the toughest part was getting hired, the stress of getting hired and and I was an original fan. So knowing that I'm doing something from a childhood, you know, dream. I played the alien, as you know, most of you have already know this about me if you know me that I did it in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, played the alien from another planet. So, and, and the shortest kid in school was Kirk. And, uh, 
Pilot Leaves was the Enterprise. So I, Leonard Nimoy, I went and saw him at the Paramount Theater in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, doing this one-man show about um, Van Gogh's brother. And it was just like, I was so excited. He was a hero to me because I felt like I was, you know, uh, I was this tall, skinny kid, poor family, uh, teased a lot, um, Took me a long time to be okay with short hair because I was told I looked like a boy because I was so tall and uh, all that kind of stuff. So this dream coming true to be a part of, we're going to make the dark version of Star Trek. We're going to be, they're going to be like the Star Wars of Star Trek, which obviously with the promenade and everything, it, it held true to that promise. And I felt like, oh my gosh, if it did amazing things then, imagine what it could do now with the voice that we could have. Terry, I hate to, I hate to break this to you. I did not answer your question. I, no, I, it's okay. <laughs> that's not what I, he's going to say. I just need to tell you that even with short hair, you don't look like a boy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> reassure you there. Right? Yeah, yeah no, no, tell us. She's like, Terry, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, one of the challenges you had is, I think, not from the pilot, your character was pretty much set. You know, it's sort of like Shatner in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Like, from day one, you had that down, right? And there were all these shades of gray and nuances and exploration, but it didn't, it didn't, change, you, you had it down. Now, Terry, they had no idea what to do with you. And through that whole first season... But in all fairness, too, I feel like as a performer, I was very... I had had a long hiatus in between working, and I was much greener than Nana. She's a very seasoned actress when she started Deep Space. What she's saying is older, and it's true. No! <laughs> I knew she was going to make a joke out of that. But seriously, incredibly talented, knew what to do. And, and also our, our um, ops felt like a stage, which was very intimidating to me. And oh, yeah. yeah, and it, it, most of you guys had done theater and you had been in theater on Broadway. Hello. Yeah, which Renee keep you, reminding you about. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. But, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. So, and then they didn't know what to do about makeup. And then I was the last one coming in. And I was overwhelmed. And I had these crazy scientific things to say. And it was really overwhelming. Well, Michael Pillar thought you were Spock, right? But ultimately, it was Ira who realized you were Catherine Hepburn in the Philadelphia story, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, the and, straight and that version. was what, like, changed. <laughs> the whole thing for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. He said roguish, but um, yeah, I guess Catherine Hepburn kind of was. But yeah, it's true. And then what I think they did smartly was they made it about talking about the assimilation of the symbiont and the young woman trying to be comfortable. And I think that was a really great solution because that gave me little bites at a time to get used to and figure it out and yeah. Well, it kind of let you be Spock and McCoy simultaneously. Thank you, exactly. Yeah, because they wanted to be, even Robert Hewitt Wolf was like, they had this sort of stoic thing about wanting, and it was like, I'm 350 years old. Wouldn't I have a sense of humor like nobody's business? Yeah. I wouldn't be Vulcan-ish at all because who? I'd want to kill myself 350 years of you <laughs> stupid humans, yeah, you'd, right? You'd realize that all this is just being 
BS. Right, exactly. It's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right? It's and fine. you'd be, you'd have to be curious and really love all these little children that right. are so much younger than you. Right? Isn't it fun to see them figuring things out? It's so cute. <laughs> and I've been there, so I'm not going to coddle. I'm not going to pat them on the head. I get it. I was there. Yeah, so it's a whole different point of view. But the symbiont also allowed uh, audience members, anyone who felt outside of normal, to use you as an avatar. And I've heard it oh. over and over again. Use me. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, now, now, Easy. Look. Now, not like that. <laughs> well. Usually. Do you well, experience yeah. this? <laughs> Have you, you seen our dolls? Together? I'm no, thinking. Please. No, no, we, no. We, we dare not. All right. Dare okay. not. So I just I ended the podcast <laughs> forever. <laughs> so, Nana, you know, I know all weekend, I'm sure people are coming up and saying, I love Deep Space Nine. I love you in Deep Space Nine. It's my favorite Star Trek. You know, I, I'm sure it never gets old. But my question is, you just undertook this whole going back and looking at the show. Now, a lot of people don't realize you know, actors don't necessarily, some do, you know, Norma Desmond did, but most people don't go back and watch themselves for years and years, you know, after their show has gone off the air. So you're being reintroduced to the show, almost not as somebody who was in it, but as a viewer. A viewer. And I'd love to know sort of what your unblemished, unvarnished take is watching Star Trek again, watching Deep Space Nine after all these years and what you think. Watching Deep Space Nine, it's still relevant. It's still, uh, I, I was taken aback by, I, I, I forgot how amazing the writing was. How even though we didn't really have women writers on the show, they, uh, the, the, the writers that were there wrote so effectively uh, for, for our characters. But I've, I've been watching all the Star Treks and I'm so blown away by how great all of them are. And I'm able to like, you know, join in when people have, you know, so what was the drug that, you know, it's like, I, I know that, I know it. I'm able to join in. I'm getting like a Trekkie. But, you know, like, like third season Picard, oh my God, I love it. Voyager, uh, I had no idea, right? Gates McFadden, yes. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. And the original Trek, I'd seen it as a kid, but when I put this lens of uh, watching it through, what were women going through in the 60s? What were these women in the show going through during the 60s while they were busy inspiring an audience to want more? So it's uh, the, the whole franchise is... Truly inspiring and hopeful. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> so both of you got to do something very different, I think, from, uh, from other female characters in, in Star Trek. You guys got to do action. You know, uh, Dax got to hang out with Klingons and kick ass and take names. Uh, and Kira, obviously, like every other minute, was finding somebody to, to punch in the face. I'm thinking about you right now. Uh, outstanding. But, <laughs> but by, this, by the same token, um, you guys got to do some of the best dramatic stuff. Like, you just did. Um, you know, moments that stand out to me for Kira, for example, uh, you know, were progress. You're burning that Bajoran farmer out of his home. That's when Kira clicked. Or you do that fabulous scene in the first season, scenes with Harris Yulin in, in duet. Like, oh. 
for, for you guys, what were those moments for you in the show where you go, oh, the, the writers get it, I get it, like now I've, I've found my, my space? First of all, a word about the guest stars. Mm-hmm. Harris Yule and uh, Brian, 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 Brian Keith. Keith. Yeah. Thank you. Unbelievable. Uh, Louise Fletcher. Mm-hmm. It, it, it raised all of us every time they came on the show. Uh, but it was, no, it was like, it was like, I am going to have a meal. <laughs> I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I don't have to worry about making a mess. This is mine. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Louise Fletcher passed away last year. Such an extraordinary actress, an Oscar winner. I, I, you know, I go back to your manager telling you, you don't want to do sci-fi, it's going to ruin your career. And then Frank Langella is showing up, and Louise Fletcher, and it's like, well, I don't know about that. Yep. I mean, and, and, and that must have been great, because for you as actors, you know, the people at the top of their game that you're working with, I mean, it, it, and it also gave the imprintor quality to the show, because, you know, sci-fi shows were not attracting these kind of people to... Uh, it, it, I, it, it was amazing. I, I don't know quite how they did it, although maybe their agents said, you know what, people are watching these things, just do one, live through it. And it was hard, hard. Harris Eulin, I don't know how he did it, because just you have to think about the makeup. Then you have to think about the fact that he's doing paragraphs of dialogue in a tone he's not familiar with, and he's, he's doing it with people he doesn't know, on a, with a crew he doesn't know. And he's doing it brilliantly, brilliantly. It was just unbelievable. Mask work is not easy. I, I, can I offer that I please. think what would the uh, what the attraction would be is like for most actors that aren't doing a whole lot is the writing was so great and they're talented actors and they get to star as a guest star in that show. Whatever show it is, but when it's really good writing and they get a chance to really have something to sink their teeth into, I think our show made that super accessible. And and when you think somebody like even Andy Robinson, hello, getting to, you know, he's reoccurring, but what? Why would you be willing to be reoccurring? Because it's fun, because the writing's great. You get to put all of your effort into it and it's not without some payback of like, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. We like to act. We like to act. It's fun. It's playtime. Your representative's (laughs) best efforts to convince you that you shouldn't. That's right. (laughs) The reoccurring is so funny you mentioned that because of course it's like you have guest stars on a show and somebody like Andy Robinson shows up in the second episode. It's like, oh, it was great working with you. Thanks for being here. Little did you know he'd be around for the next seven years and that was with so many people, whether it was Max or whether it was Mark Alamo, all these people. It's like they just kept coming back and back. It's like, and they never left. And this this not so little ensemble kept getting bigger Free and bigger. Combs. Jeffrey Combs, who would come back, you know, nine thousand times as four hundred characters. Because he's like Sybil. <laughs> he's like Sybil. <laughs> That's right. I I want to know how it was to take a little step away from your regular characters and make a little visit to the mirror universe. Because that must have been a little fun to sort of change it up a little bit. Well, you did more than I did. 
Yeah, uh, the intendant was fantastic to do. That that was so much fun, and it's like already there are no holds barred. And then they just you know they go okay go it, now I'm on green screen and I can be wherever I want, be whoever I want. And the intendant was uh, really fun for that. Really fun. You can no longer play her in Florida, apparently. <laughs> I liked it when you did the lounge singer stuff. Oh, that was that fun. That was like, woo, look at her go. That was fun. That was like the opposite. Yeah. Wow. I remember I remember it, it was in Promenade, and Ira was passing me. He said, hey, uh, I'm thinking I want you to sing. Um, like, um, they can't take that away from me. And I was like, uh, fever. And he went, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was hot. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that was also part of the appeal of the show. You do Law & Order, you're playing the same character, you're not changing, seven years. Money's great, royalties are great, uh, residuals are great, but it's the same role. Deep Space Nine, you know, one week you're a James Bond villain, the, you know, the, the next week you're, 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 you're Curzon Dax, you're playing a man. I mean, it's like, it's crazy the range that and, and the types of roles that you got to play with these characters. When do you get to actually purposefully do a bad Russian accent. <laughs> Only on Star Trek. It's kind of a thing. It's kind Star of Trek. a thing. <laughs> okay, so that, that brings up our first Star Trek Deep Space Nine soundtrack from all in. What was the name of the character that Nana played in Our Man Bashir? Oh, here sorry, you go, I'm not eligible. I, uh, that man just raised his hand with a with a yeah, hat in line. Why not? The man in the hat. Yeah. No, no, no. Right there. Yeah, I just can't oh, see anything. He is man, it's, Johnny Cash. He's right in the Come center, on. standing. Yeah. He's tell, standing. Tell us, who is it? He's, he's, he's the standing. The wind yes. waving. Yes. Come towards us. Yes, Jesus. Say, say yes, them. Lord. Yes. <laughs> it's just, you know what? You're, everybody looks like they're in heaven because it's like backlit. <laughs> not that I've ever been there. I'm Mind just it. saying. Tell us the greatest story ever told. Okay. Thanks. Oh my God, the pressure. Oh, no. no. We iced the kicker. That's yeah. not good. I had it in my head and then I got wait, nervous. Wait, I'll give you a clue. Watch me. Stand up. <laughs> sits a lot. <laughs> Sir, sits a lot. That was. No. 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 Um, you can do it. That wasn't it either. All of a sudden, my brain is going to Natasha, and I, I know that's. No, that was Boris and uh, That's, yeah. Boris and Natasha. Okay. We, we, we got it. We, we're going to help you. We are not going to let you your anxiety get the best of you. Okay. So, James Bond, we know what those pussy galore and 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 Christmas Jones and you know, uh, Ursula Andress. So, think think along those Plenty lines. Plenty O'Toole. Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> Ryder Strong. I'm a huge James Bond fan, right. so that episode's my favorite and I can't Think of okay, it right who did who did Avery Brooks play in that? I would not. Oh, get Professor that. Noah. No. No. Get closer. Warm. Doctor Noah. There you go. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and I was come on and off. Yes. Yes. Come on and off. Who would? Well, if you insist. I, it's a kid show, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, okay. Actually, the more I'm. Oh, yeah. God, that's so Yeah, gross. there's another one. Don't, don't. Uh, I don't want to know. We've okay. we got to ask a question, I guess, for you now. We're going to equal opportunity here. Um, how, you want to do um, 
Name all of Dax's symbionts. <laughs> you think oh, that guy actually, was worried? Yeah. Oh, no. Do you I know can name all the symbionts. Can I, you? Yes. You can? Absolutely, I can I name can. all the symbionts. You want me to do it? Oh, oh did yeah, you do. see the look I want he's like, you to. Okay. I do. I, I want you to. Okay, right, here Mr. is the Miller. name of every single symbiont. I love you so much. Dax. <laughs> Symbiont, that is a great question. Right? <laughs> I win. Okay. Terry and Let, Nana. Terry, yeah, let's okay. ask them a question. They want their, their soundtrack. Cool. Um, go ahead, Ashley. Yeah, yeah. You're so smart. Uh, yeah. What season did oh. Dax marry Worf? Ah. Right here. Six. There you go. Oh, no. That's right. Is that right? Six? right? Yeah, yeah, let's right. go with it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Deep Space How Six. Long? Everything six. <laughs> Thank you. How long did it take you to get in that outfit, by the way? That's, I mean, that was... A, One. The, the, the wedding outfit. The wedding... Uh... Uh, actually, that was not so hard. It was harder when I wore it for one of the conventions in Las Vegas for creation when Mike Westmore redid my makeup. Then I, I actually could fit in it, but it was a little more fitting in it. <laughs> but the first time I fit in it, so it was really like zip up, put her boots on, let her out. It really wasn't that bad. It just was really hard because it weighed a lot. It weighed a shit ton is what it weighed. <laughs> That's uh, a technical measurement. It's metric. It's not metric. Now, shit. You, you went oh, through a, shit ton. a very unexpected arc later in the season because you had a child, you got pregnant. What was that conversation like going to Ira Bear and what were your expectations? You know, how they would, they, it was a very clever solution they came up with. I, I remember being terrified and being quite sure, again, it was the 90s, that I was going to be fired. I mean, I was hired as, you know, an action figure and here <laughs> I was, I'm going to be pregnant. And uh, Sadig actually made the phone call to Rick Berman because he had a relationship with Rick and uh, told him that we were having a baby. And uh, then we just waited to see what happened. And what happened really is because of Ira Bear's wife, Laura, who said, I know what to do. I know what to do. And that's exactly what happened. That there was, what's funny is every year, you know, it's it's such it's like this dance. It's this weird dance. You sign a seven year contract, but every year, many people. It was re six. Re re you signed six. Oh, six. Well, yeah. Six. Some of you yeah. did. So it, so you sign a six year contract, no, but every year. To begin with. But every year you renegotiate. You 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 ask for things, and they say, and usually you get something because they're going, yeah, no, we want you to be happy. They also laugh at you. And and but at Star Trek Paramount, every time I tried to renegotiate, they said there'll be a shuttlecraft accident. You'll be dead. And so it was like, yeah, yeah okay, look, look at me. Uh, all right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that it was a shuttlecraft accident that kept my job was kind of great to me. Right. <laughs> it was wonderful. And by the way, I got embiggened. Did you know that's a new word that you can use? In, it, embiggen is, embiggen, embiggen yeah. is a real word. Yeah, I think I it came embiggened. from The Simpsons. 
What does it mean? It get bigger. Yeah. Don't say oh. you can't learn things <laughs> watching this show. It's like schoolhouse rock. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I'm going to use that word from yeah. now on. Okay. You should probably open it up to the audience. Yeah, these people are standing here. They're all standing it's here. Honestly, they're waiting. It's they're waiting. They're like at shul. Yeah. At shul, when you see people like in, in shul. This poor lady has been standing it's like here. It's like you're like asking the, the rabbi to please let you sit down. Yeah. I, I think it's an Andorian. Andorian. Yeah, Outstanding. Go ahead. You can go. Um. So my question is for Nana Visitor, and what was the most emotional scene you had to film? Uh, Come on, quickly. You know. Uh, uh, it, well, you know what? One of, one of the ones that pierced my heart the most was at the end of Duet, mm. when uh, his character gets killed, knifed. And it's, it's a Bajoran who does it. And, and that was... Uh, that got me and that got Kira, that got the whole thing. That was very emotional. Thank you. Thank you. And it's Nana. Oh, he's back. He's, uh, welcome back, Lord. Uh, thank you. Hi, uh, uh, my name is William. Um, huge fan. Uh, so I'm also a helpless romantic, and the show had some of the greatest romances of all time. And, not you know... Obviously, both your relationships on screen with Worf and with uh, Odo were fantastic. But I, got a, I have a question for Nana of, you were spending six years up to that point with Renee before you actually got to initiate a relationship. Was there any point where you two just want to just say, no, 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 this season. We're not waiting another season, this season, because clearly it's happening. I, I have to say we were such good friends by that time that it was weird to kiss passionately. It was, it was like, oh, God, okay, what? Uh, we're, well, here we go. Um, and, but there couldn't have been more rubber involved, that's for sure. <laughs> Children's show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hi, um, I just see I'm the Andreas. quote. Couldn't have been more rubber involved. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Andreas. Um, I, I was wanting to know how much over this course of the six, seven years went uh, of yourself went into the character and, and then vice versa of the character that you took for yourself. Mm. Great question. Both of you. <laughs> uh, uh... How much of it is me? Well, uh, I would not consider myself pansexual. I'm just saying that. I am not as adventurous in that department as Dax and Jadzia, but I am an adventurous person, and I think most of the other stuff is pretty much me because I don't think you can really divorce yourself so much, uh, but sort of... Like, bring out other parts of yourself, you know. Um, I don't know. That's I don't know how else to say it. It's just sort of like it has to be part of you, right? Because I don't... But I don't really know how, how much I influenced her and how much she influenced me. I almost think it's sort of a marriage that happens with the character in yourself. And the more in your skin it all feels, the easier it is to do and the more, I don't know, grounded and, and instinctual it starts to happen. 
Yeah, but she definitely opened my eyes to a different way of thinking about things. And it actually feels like it affects my life more now the more I've just accepted myself. It has helped me be more powerful in a gentle way. Thank you. That's a good answer. It's a fascinating question because really what I've learned as first an actor and then through just reading some neuroscience is you drop thoughts into your head and you change your brain and your brain and body uh, actually transform the more you think those particular thoughts. So I certainly brought, I was, I went running through the door of Kira, like, okay, I want a big space. I, I want to be who I am without thinking of these boxes that I have to enter. Uh, so it was the full spectrum of me that I brought. But in the end, uh, I took a lot of Kira with me because those thoughts, those thoughts of goals, of actually uh, having goals for other people, of deep self-compassion and thinking of, of loyalty and what you will do for that. Um, it, those are things that I not only, it, it's not like it just kind of, came with me, I decided, I went, yeah, that's a thought I will keep dropping in this brain and let this brain change to be more like Kira that way. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's been said, and I think it was Bill who said this, that when you're doing 22 episode seasons, 24 episode seasons, you have no choice sometimes but to plumb from your own experience because you just don't have the kind of time like you do on Broadway where you have rehearsals and things. You just have to go and do it. But you know what? It's all the same source. It's all the same source. You either go there fast or you take six weeks and you say, I need six weeks to get here. Actually, on Broadway, they don't need six weeks. They just need to drop down into uh, their subconscious lake and get everything they need. We all have it. Oh, um, okay, if Jadzia had survived and um, you guys were, were pulled back to play those characters now, kind of like a Picard situation, right? Um, what do you think that both of your characters would be doing? What would you want them to be doing? A little more adventurous. That is a hard question. Yeah. Let her go first on this one. Okay. I had the hard one last I, time. I have it in my head. I know I'm a spiritual figure on Bajor. I don't want that. I want to still be on the station. I want to be a mentor to young people uh, coming through. I definitely want to be a mentor to uh, Jake. I imagine him writing and traveling and coming back to me with his adventures and sitting and having meals and having ethical discussions about it all. That's what I would love. I would love that. Get Terry Metalis on the phone right now. Oh, wait, he'll be on the phone at 4.30 for our panel. Ask him then. You got a pitch. <laughs> and that's what she does with her son, Django. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. In the real world. I would, I don't think Dax would be an at-home mom. I don't think they would end up having children in my version of that. Um, I think I would want Dax to take the defiant and go off 
on her own in that way. I don't mean that Worf, I think they would still love each other, but I think after enough time together, they could both go off on their own adventures, be that kind of couple, right? But I, I think that she would still be super curious about the world. And I think what I would love is, do you remember when Spock got melted down in that, which I don't remember which movie, and then suddenly he's just back in the next movie, and I think there's <laughs> like, hey, hey, like that. Like I want to like, suddenly I'm fine. just back, and you know, uh, maybe you could reorganize the Klingon world too. Get in there and no, yeah, no I don't know. No, why? You mean like decluttering uh, it, like Marie no, Kondo? No, 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 or? no, 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 no. Marie geez. Kondo Klingon stuff. Yeah. Just you no, know, make but the costumes easier. a pretty easier. good Klingon name, actually. <laughs> it is. They're writing it for me. But here's the thing: <laughs> if you knew rejoined, and I don't know why this just hit me, but someone was telling me about um, Ezra Dax and Worf, and I was like wait a minute, this is reminding me of Rejoined. You're not supposed to come back and live another Trill's life. Right. So maybe the seventh season just didn't happen. I think we could get behind that. <laughs> you mean it was a dream like in Dallas? Yeah. Yes. Wow. And then we come back and, and she can come back as a guest star or something else. And you can Dr. go Bashir off. Bashir dreamed it. Bashir dreamed it. And you it. can yeah. go off RVing like you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, in, in the, the Defiance. Defiance. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes. But yes, like that. So, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That, wow. Thanks so much. I'm glad I just worked that out in front of all of you. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> it's the process. It's is the cheaper process. than therapy, so that's good. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so Star Trek, most people think of as being pretty silly, but Deep Space Nine is really about rebuilding after a hostile takeover, a hostile um, people being in a... Like, I'm messing That's up. all right. We're with you because we're fans <laughs> of you. But, um, <laughs> do you. Did you take anything from history or real people who went through similar situations at, like after being occupied? Uh, all, all of them. All, every situation, every time. When it comes down to it, it's one human being impacted. There's actually a wonderful book about the Holocaust, and I didn't know when I read it in the 80s, uh, it's called The White Hotel. And it's about a woman who is an opera singer and she's being interviewed, she's being helped by Sigmund Freud. And you know, it, you're going through her therapy and learning about all, the, and all of a sudden she's gone. She's taken. It's a true story. No, this oh, is a dang. wonderful book, but the impact of it, of this singular soul, one person with so many c complexities, so many joys, so many pains, and, and you put them in a situation like that. That's what I thought of. It, it wasn't how many, it was one every single time. What's so sad is this is a TV show from 30 years ago, and yet it's so relevant today. You think about the story you did when you find out your mother was a collaborator with the Cardassians, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're, you know, Deep Space Nine was grappling with in the 90s is, you know, sadly, is, is, is relevant today as it ever has been. Absolutely. And, and yet there was a, a man who came up to me today and said my grandmother was in the camps and a Holocaust survivor and the show meant so much to her. And it's like, you know, you just want to melt on the floor then and just go, thank you for this show. 
Hey guys, uh, my name is Hunter, and maybe this is an easier question, but for each of y'all, what would you say is uh, an underrated episode of Deep Space Nine, or maybe one of your favorites that people wouldn't think of first? Oh, wow. <laughs> underrated. Uh, I can't say it's my favorite, though. Alan Moraine, that one. <laughs> That, that might be overhated. That's a different, different thing. It's different. Everyone hates move that one. Move along home. Right? Move along home. Yes. Move along home. I forgot all of that. Yeah, but you know, the ones that I love, everyone seems to agree with. So there's, there's nothing. No, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's an underrated one. I have to say, I haven't watched the entire series again. So maybe I need to get on that. Do some yeah. investigative reporting for you next your time. Then? Just in general. Uh, Terry. Oh, rejoined. And actually, which I found interesting, and I don't know that everybody knows this, but uh, at the time, once it aired on the East Coast, it got preempted because of its content. And oh. we had a lot of angry people, which is interesting because the world has changed a lot since then in programming and what kind of relationships people have on television. But at the time, and it was really... When was it? 1990s, mid-90s. Yep. Yeah. Well, let it's kind of scary that's where we were at, that people could do that. Let me reframe far, this question. Far, far beyond the stars. What was the most Yeah, fun? far beyond the like, stars. Like, was something like Take Me Out to the Hollow Sweep. You're finally off the Paramount lot. You're not in those stages. You're going off and doing the baseball game. Like, is that just liberating because it's so different? No. I was... <laughs> I had to hit that ball. Oh. And I've never... It, I remember Avery Brooks, and you know he did a, a bit of improv in a scene, and he's over there, and I'm uh, probably 20 feet away, and he had a travel bag. We're about to go out on a mission, and he throws it to me, and it hit my face and fell to the floor, and he said, I have never seen anyone with less instinct to grab something. <laughs> what is wrong with you? But I never played sports. I never played ball. I couldn't. They hired a, a professional baseball player to work with me so that I could throw the ball. I can actually throw pretty well still. She's and a to be able girly to hit girl. It. But I, I never did it. I grew up in New York City. So uh, you don't have balls in New York City. Not an excuse. I know. Come on. Let me get away with that, please. <laughs> no, I have no instincts. If you throw a ball at me, it'll hit me in the face because my arms won't do anything. No instincts whatsoever but no that wasn't fun that was that was nervous making but what was fun was to come out on a round bed from the from the wall as come on and off that that stuff that bond episode was fun i was i was huggy bear or something you were sexy with your black glasses and you knew oh, yeah, when you it. took those glasses the girl, get off the key, get the key right that was the, the key. thing kiss the girl get the key the yes. uh, thing that uh Bashir that's right yeah <laughs> By the way, for the record, uh, Rocks and Shoals, underrated. Um, for the uniform, right? Yes. That's your pick. I think the whole series is underrated. Yeah, actually. I would agree. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Darren. Well, I agree. One more question, and it's appropriate that... Uh, Captain Picard. <laughs> um, go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. I have a question for Nana. I've seen some of your Mama Nana series, so if I double, or I repeat it, I think I apologize. If... Nerys were going to be a guest on your little videos. What sort of things would she talk about as your mama nana? 
Oh, what? She, well, pretty much the same things. <laughs> I think she would talk about the same things on Instagram that I'm talking about because we've both evolved in the same way. And uh, I do believe Kira would want to give to other people what she's learned and the advice that comes hard won like you get from a mother or a grandmother so i think i think those are the she'd talk about the same things actually one, one last question i think we did we we're at zero we're at zero but the ship has not zero. blown up right. so we're going to ask one more question Hi, my name is Caroline. I was happy to hear you talk about neuroscience because that's what I do for my job. Um, I wanted to ask if you could be in any other, a regular character in any other Trek show, which show would you want to be in? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, there are a couple. I mean, there are a couple. I, yeah, I, I, I want to be Captain Janeway. I wouldn't mind uh, doing what Sinequa does. I, you know, it's it's all it's all of it. I have not seen, and I hear it's great. Uh, Brave New Worlds. That's next for me. Um, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. And that's next for me. I think I've been saying Brave New Worlds this whole time. It's okay. Lots of people do. Oh God. Okay. Strange New Worlds. Uh, but yeah, Janeway. What about you? I think I'd like to be Michelle Yeoh's character. Ooh. Yes. Yes. I don't remember her character name, do you guys? Giorgio. Giorgio. Captain Giorgio. Giovanni Giorgio is her name. Okay, cool. That's and, and the, That's and the empress of, uh, of the mirror universe. I could tell you who she was in James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> who is she? Come on and on. Why Lynn? Really? <laughs> right on. Yeah, so I'd want to be her. And otherwise, yeah, I have seen, I did see Strange New Worlds, and I love it. Love it. Yeah. I've only seen the first one, and the second one started, and I was like, oh, no, I got to catch up on, I missed the second season of Picard, so I wanted to jump right to the first episode of the third season of Picard because I kept seeing these trailers with Gates and it was like, she kicks butt. She does. She does. And then, of course, I have to see Michael Dorn at some point because I had dinner with him when he had two episodes left and it was like, it was so weird to sit across from this man I know very well, but with this white goatee, it was uh. like... You're not the same. It's like you are like a um, mirror universe, Michael. Yeah, Dan. yeah. I don't think Kentucky any... Fried Chicken kind of popped in my head. <laughs> I did I, not say that at the moment, but uh, right the now Colonel it's like Colonel Wharf. Yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone can the... play uh, Kirk other than Bill Shatner. But if there was anybody, I think you could do it. Oh, I'd love that. I think that. you would be an amazing Kirk. I would love to play Kirk. <laughs> yeah. I would Kirk. love that. Oh, anyway, my God. We are so grateful. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. all of you. And we'll see you at 4.30 with Terry Metalis. Thank you. That was fun. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did because we, we had a blast. It was it was so much fun, you know, as it always is, you know, when we talk to uh, uh, great guests. I just wonder what we're going to ask next time. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the thing, because the more we do this, obviously, the the less we want to repeat ourselves. Uh, but uh, so it's it's a little bit of a trip to try and uh, bring something different to this. Well, you know, here's the thing that's great. 
about, I think about that interview in particular, what they really kind of taught us up on that stage is that they have so many stories, so many different things um, that they could talk about that the real value isn't in, you know, trying to broadly hit every topic that we can hit with them. Um, it is really just sitting back and just kind of going in depth, you know, on just, the, you know, the, the one thing they want to talk about or the one or two things yeah. they want to talk mm. about. I, I, I can't imagine that we could do enough hours of the podcast with either one of them and, and fully plumb the depths of their experiences on that show or their experiences in the industry um, or run out of interesting things to say to us. Well, we're going to, you know, we've had that in the podcast before, but Terry, uh, you know, has, has actually specifically said, I really want to do the podcast. So we're, we'll definitely have Terry join us, um, you know, in the coming weeks where we'll sit down and do a, do a full interview with her here on the show. Um, and we can, there's a lot more we can talk about because I, one of my regrets is that I thought the panel we did with her in Columbus was pretty terrific also. And we talked about yeah. totally other things. And I'm, I'm sorry that uh, that wasn't recorded, but, um, uh, and I didn't think to, uh, record it on my phone just because I thought it was being recorded, but, uh, sorry, Mike, but, uh, but, uh, anyway, so that's lost to the sands of time, but, um, hopefully we'll have many more chances to, uh, sit down with Terry and, and hear her stories and, um, uh, and 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 share her a deep space and back to school experiences with That's you our right. audience because of course uh, we can't get enough of uh, back to school. We talked a lot more about back to school the last time we spoke to her because we're all huge right. back to school fans on uh, on the podcast. And uh, Ashley, I know it was everybody, <laughs> but you know it wasn't just Star Trek that made this convention wonderful, was it, Darren? No, not at all. When I first saw the uh, the uh, guest list for uh, the Richmond Con, I saw someone that I have been a fan of forever, and uh, I uh, I got the chance uh, back in the green room when he was uh, uh, not as occupied by crowds, um, and I, uh, I I you know raised up the courage to go over and speak to him. And it was John Cleese from, of course, Monty Python's Flying Circus and uh, many other things. Uh, and I basically walked up to him and I said, uh, Mr. Cleese, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, uh, and uh, especially A Fish Called Wanda. And he, he brightened up at that one. And he said, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning a, a, a musical version of that. I said, what? That's amazing. Um, and so uh, I, I told him two things. I, I said, first, um, I just want to thank you for all your work because you've brought great joy to me. But I also have a complaint. And uh, no, I wasn't going to the complaints department to uh, to cause a, <laughs> uh, an argument. Um, I, I, I told him, look, uh, there is so much of your work that is trapped in my brain after so many years of memorizing stuff that I hardly have any space left. And he laughed at that. And I said, and uh, particularly uh, the name of Johann Gambleputty, Devon Ausfrenschpleiden, Schlickkross, Krenborn, Friedigger, Dangle, 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 Burstein, Bon, Nacker, Thresher, Applebanger, Tickolinsig, Grander, Nalke, Spelt, Tinkle, Grandlick, Grummer, Meyer, Spelzer, Wasser, Kirstler, Kimbleisen, Bahnwagen, Gutenbaden, Bittenheim, Nuremberger, Rotwurst, Gesperten, Misfi, Machel, Luber, Hunsfoot, Gummer, Ammer, Schoen, Danke, Kabels, Fleischmittel, Raucher, Von Hauptkopf of Ulm. When I started saying that name, 
he said it along with me. And it was the most wonderful experience I've ever had. And I I nearly burst into tears. I stopped myself, though, and I shook his hand and I said, thank you so much. And it was great. Awesome. (laughs) That is a great, great story. That's one of the best con stories I've ever heard. I, I, you and, know, I can't uh, believe it. You three weeks ago, you, you were Kent Johnson, and you did the War of the Worlds narration together. Yeah. Now you're with yeah. John Cleese doing that. Yeah. It's fantastic. My 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 uh, my childhood dreams are coming true. Yeah, and then in July you'll be back with Bill on uh, in July. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that is that is fantastic. I have to tell you, you know, it, it, for personal moments, the highlight of the convention for me, you know, we were having dinner on Saturday night and yeah. uh, with, with uh, Jonathan Frakes and Terry and Nana, and my daughter, who was working on the school play, texted me and, you know, some somebody in the play had cut everyone online to get to the food and everything. And she texts me, she goes, actors are insufferable. And I started <laughs> laughing and Jonathan said, well, what's so funny? I said, well, my daughter just texted me this, that actors are insufferable. And, and, and I think it was an who said, there's no way she said that. And I showed her the text and said, exactly that actors are insufferable. My, you know, my teenage daughter and they just laughed and laughed. <laughs> I, I, and I just, and it was so funny to, at that very moment to be able to share that with them because I was so proud of my daughter because God knows after doing I don't know any how many hours of television I totally understand where she's coming from sure <laughs> hilarious oh my god it was it was great I mean and, I can you know, see I, I I can see if your son had said that I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah exactly and then Ashley your alma mater was in Virginia so it must have been nice you saw so many of your old friends uh at the convention Oh, yeah. It was like old home week, man. I mean, I guess because it was my old home or at least close to it. Uh, you know, I saw, you know, at least two members of my wedding party, one of whom I have not seen uh, in 25 years. But uh, there's a man out there I haven't seen in 25 years, but he was not trying to kill me. Uh, you know, and what my my friend who I have I've told the story on this podcast before about how we had this thing where we had to go see Star Trek movies. Um, in the opening weekend, the number of times equal to uh, their ordinal position in the list of Star Trek movies, which sounds like masochism and kind of is. Uh, saw him. My in-laws came to see me, which also sounds like masochism, but is not because they're wonderful. Um, you know, I just and I, I have uh, friends who I have had a truly astounding con experiences with uh, at previous cons and other cons under circumstances that I cannot ever relate on a podcast, <laughs> but they were awesome. Um, but you know what? Uh, I think overall that was and I'm not this is not hyperbole. That was one of the very best con experiences I have ever had as either a professional or as a fan because it was so organized it was just everybody was friendly um it was well laid out you could get around you could talk to people everybody was nice um you know and i can't say enough about you know mike broder he just he runs a tight ship no matter what experience you are trying to have 
uh, at that con. And I think there are a lot of cons that will go nameless. Um, but, you know, but I think that they have things that they can learn from what GalaxyCon is doing. I was actually, I was legitimately blown away. That was, I expected it to be good because I know you guys really loved your experience in Columbus. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. So a big thank you to Mike Broder uh, and his amazing staff uh, for for such a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100% agree. Um and, uh, and, you know, it was so great to meet so many of our listeners. Uh, I mean, probably hundreds of, hundreds of listeners of podcasts were there, but in particular, I remember a couple of our, our, our listeners from social who made a point of coming up, uh, to say hello, undiscovered Magatu, uh, subcommander tall, um, uh, John Price, fight. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, commander bond, um, uh, and 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 then a bunch of other people. And I, I forgive, forgive me. I think it was David who um, had tripped and fallen in the rain and, yes. and was was terribly injured. But he still made it down because he said, you know, he didn't want to miss us. And uh, same thing with uh, I think Commander Bond, who was in a hit and run accident, and uh, he 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 said whatever it took, he was going to come down to the convention because he had yeah. to see us. And um, it was uh, it was really nice to see so many of our fans throughout the weekend and particularly the families uh their families uh that <laughs> came to came came to see us uh josh josh carp and his lovely family uh his yeah. boys who came to visit with us uh and uh and many more and if i'm forgetting you i apologize but you know i wasn't looking you in the face and was not paying attention so i apologize <laughs> <laughs> but, but the good uh, no, news is you didn't get hit by anything I didn't get That's hit. There true. was I, I came close to a wheelchair pointed in my direction, but I managed to elude it. Um, yeah, but no, no, you know, there's a, a noticeable dearth of uh, motorized scooters. I have to say, thankfully, and um, and uh, yeah, no, no, no injuries, just a lack of bottled water. Um, so anyway, <laughs> look, this was this was great, and was our, our 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 thanks and appreciation. Um, to Terry and Nana, who were such good sports throughout the weekend, uh, yeah. for putting for putting up with us, um, and uh, of course, uh, as Ashley said, Mike Broder and his amazing team at GalaxyCon, and we look forward to uh, joining them in Raleigh, North Carolina, in July, and uh, of course, we look forward to joining you next Friday for an all new episode of the Trexperts. If you want to continue to follow us on Instagram. And Twitter, you can do so at Inglorious Trek and Inglorious Trexperts. Our big thanks to Mark Rivera for continuing to make us sound so good. And our producer, Peter Holmstrom, who is uh, currently with Lisa Lisa Klink doing the wonderful Trexperts briefing room where they curate audio commentaries of significant Star Trek episodes. And Darren and to I will drop... we may return to one day. Yeah, no, no. Darren and I and Ashley intend to, uh, we, we, you know... Uh, uh, we'll drop in and 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 retake the helm uh, for a couple of special episodes when we have the time. If right, we have the time, and if we have and the courage, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. So until uh, until next week, on behalf of uh, Darren Dockerman, Ashley B. Miller, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Shh.